Hey, Westside family. My name is Matt, and I am the co-leader for the Young and Free group. Thank you for joining us for today's message. We hope that you are blessed by the Word of God through the speaking of our pastors and leaders, and we pray that this leads you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We love you, and enjoy. Let me pray. Let me pray. Bow your head and close your eyes. Let's just kind of get in the zone, kind of get the mind right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in need. We come to you in need of your word, in need of your truth, in need of your direction, in need of the power and the authority and the the changes in life that can come from your word. Father, we just ask that your will be done and the promises that is due to us from the reception and the application of your word be a yes and an amen. But Father, I I, want to be more specific in, in, in my prayer, my request. Lord, I ask that you open our hearts. I ask that you open our minds to be able to receive this word not in a religious, traditional, or habitual way that sometimes we do when we come to church in one ear and out the other. But Father, I ask that you prepare us, allow us to focus and not be distracted so that we can receive the fullness of your word and therefore be be able to apply it in its totality to our circumstance and to the season in which we are in. Lord, I ask that you anoint me Anoint me beyond my ability. Anoint me beyond my inability to speak correctly and clearly and right. Anoint me to operate according to your will, according to your spirit, so I can deliver this word and not be distracted by the looks on people's faces, not be distracted by the work of the enemy, even though, even as I speak, but be focused and be able to declare with boldness, with faith, and with power so that your will can be done this morning and in our future. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, can we say amen? Amen. If I can get some more water up here, please. Give me two more. I'm really thirsty this morning. I've kind of alluded to this a week or two ago of how I've been speaking out of a different office. Office meaning the offices you find in the New Testament, five functions of ministers in the church. And I've been operating in the office, I've been speaking out of the office of a prophet. I rarely use that term, and I use it very lightly because oftentimes what goes to people's minds when you use that kind of term. But I feel the need to share this with you to put an emphasis on the type of message or the type of talk that I've been sharing with you over the last few weeks. So when you look at the office of a prophet, there's a lot of things that come outside of that office. But there's three distinct things usually that happen. You have discernment, and that is the ability to recognize. There's more than this, but in in this context, 
the ability to recognize what God is doing now. Thank you. Discerning, being able to recognize, being able to understand, being able to get a grasp on how God is moving currently. An office of a prophet functions with word of knowledge. That is a directive from God, a word from God concerning the information of the now. A very relevant message, a very relevant word, a very relevant directive from the Lord concerning people's now. And then you have the word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom typically has to do with the future. What one needs to do, what one needs, how one needs to be prepared for the future. Now, when you get inside of that, there's a whole lot more to that, but yet I wanted to say these three things because this is how God has been using me, and it's not anything new for me, but it's not something I've necessarily functioned in here at Westside a whole lot since I've came. In the last few messages, I have been functioning. My messages has been from the context of discernment. What is going on? What spirits is functioning and operating? What God is doing? I have spoken to you through word of knowledge what we need to be doing as far as children of God, and I've spoken to you in the context of what needs to be done for the future, how we need to prepare our life, get rid of sin, get connected with God. And so I say all this to say, I want to encourage you to go back, listen to our podcast, not because I think you should listen to me. I listen to myself, and I want to crawl in a hole and die. But because I know what God has been, how God has been working through me over the last few weeks, we are in a season of transition, but we are also in a season of battle. And it is so important that we remind ourselves and we begin to hear and get an understanding on what God is doing, what needs to be done, and how we need to prepare for the future. Now, how God uses me is not necessarily in a practical way, but more in a spiritual way. So I've been coming to you, and I have been giving you spiritual directives that have been biblical-based that has come from God for us to know what to do in a spiritual or in a faith-based context. Am I making sense this morning? I know for me, and I, 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 I've, I don't, I've said this recently in, in one of the services, There's only a handful of people that I listen to. 
Less than five, maybe three. And sometimes I hear their word once, and it registers, it connects with my spirit, and I have to go back and I have to listen to it again. And sometimes I've gone back and I've listened to the same message five times. And each time, God speaks something different. Each time I get a better understanding of what really is said and what God is really trying to say to me through these ministers that he has led me to listen to. And so I want to encourage you, especially for the season we are in, set aside some time and go back and listen to what God is saying to us as a body of Christ and what God is saying to us as individuals within this body of Christ. So with that being said, I am still in the zone of Valley of Dry Bones. This is the third talk or message, and the emphasis today is glory in the storm. I have to lay a foundation first. There's, there's two areas that I got to talk about this morning. And the first area has to really do with, with, with the army of God, and the second area has to do with glory in the storm. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't separate them today. I got to get both of these to you. So I'm going to start off just reading some scripture, and we're going to go from there. So the first area of scripture is Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 9 through 10. English Standard Version for me. I don't know if that's what will be on the screen or not. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord of God. Now the next sentence I want to emphasize, and I really want you to hear. Do we, get them, do we, do we have them up there? Do we, have, do we have the verse? I thought we had the verses up there. Come, or thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. And breathe on these slain that they may live. Let me, uh, let me say that again. It's so important. Here in a few moments, we're going to dive into that. Come from the four winds, O breath. Come from the four winds. Four is very important here. Breath is very important. That's the two emphasis of this section of Scripture. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now let's skip. We're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 1. We were in, we were in chapter 37. Now we're going to chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. This is the initial vision that Ezekiel had. This started it all off. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north. There is another emphasis here. Can we go to chapter 1, please? Let me say that again. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind. I want you to get that in your brain. A stormy wind. A stormy wind came out of the north. North is significant, but we're not diving into it this morning. And a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually. 
and in the midst of the fire as it were gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. Again, another emphasis. So you get four winds from the first section in chapter 37. We get a storm in the very first chapter. And then also we get four creatures in the, fourth, in the first chapter. And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness. But each had four faces. And each of them had four wings. We're going to get into the faces but not the wings we're going to skip to verse 10. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. And the four had the face of an eagle. So you had this creature that was split into fours, and each one had four faces. The face of a human, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. The creature represented the glory of God in the vision that Ezekiel was having, but it goes a lot deeper than just the glory of God because the glory of God manifests through His Son, Jesus Christ, and it's very important that we connect Jesus to this vision. So I have three, three points or three ideas from, uh, uh, to start off with. So he told Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, prophesy that the breath comes from the four winds. So important that we get this. What is breath in Scripture? There's a couple of things that, 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 uh, that, that, that breath is in Scripture. Number one is life. The Bible says that God breathed into Adam, and he became a living being. So breath represents life. Breath also represents the Spirit of God. When God breathed into Adam, Adam not only received life, but he received life via the Spirit of Almighty God. So God told Ezekiel to prophesy that the breath— the life, the spirit that was going to be in this army come from, not from heaven, not from earth, not from a human being, not from a talent, not from an experience, but come from the four winds. And this is so key. So number one, the life of the army was to come from the four winds. The life of the army in Ezekiel 37 was going to come from the four winds. The life of the army, the life, can you say the life of the army? The life of the army is going to come from the four winds. Who is the army? We are. Speaking in the context of what I've been sharing for the last three and four weeks, we are, or I, I can't say that. Some of you may not be. Let's just be real. Just because you're a believer does not mean you are in the army of God. I can dive into what is called a remnant and what is called the, a remnant population of the church and a general population of the church. 
So a remnant population of the church is like Zion and Jerusalem. You had Jerusalem, but then you had Zion which was a special place in Jerusalem. You have the church, like the 12 disciples, but in the 12 disciples was just the three disciples that had close interaction with Jesus. You have the church, and then you have the army of God. And the army of God is the ones that is closely connected with God, empowered by the four winds of God. And just because you're in the church does not mean you are in the army of God. It doesn't mean you can't be. It just means you're not because you're not making the right choices that positions you in the army of God. Number two, out of the four winds is to come the four creatures. The four winds establish or from the four winds comes the four creatures that we see in chapter 1. The creatures, number three, the creatures are the glory of the Lord, but they are also the four characteristics of Jesus Christ. And I've taught on this before, but I'm going to refresh your memory. The four characteristics of Jesus Christ— is represented by the four creatures. So in Matthew, Jesus is a king. A king in the Bible is also represented by the face of a lion. Jesus in Mark is a servant. A servant in the Bible is also represented by the face of an ox. In Luke, Jesus is the Son of Man. And the four creatures, or in the creature with the four appearances, there was a human which represents the Son of Man. And then in John, Jesus was represented as the Son of God. Not the Son of Joseph, but the Son of God. The Son of God is represented by the face of an eagle in Scripture. So Ezekiel saw this creature that came from the four winds. And this creature was made up of the four faces that represent and make up the glory of God, but to a deeper extent, the four characteristics of Jesus Christ. So the wind was pushing this creature, was establishing this creature, And it's the four winds, or the four glories of God, the four appearances of God that empower, in Ezekiel 37, the army of God. So what does that say to us? What it says to us is that the army of God is going to be empowered by the four characteristics of Jesus Christ. So the army of God is going to be an army that operates with the authority of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The authority over demonic activity. The authority of the work of the enemy in our household. The authority of sin that is trying to take control of so many minds and so many many lives. The authority to raise up in boldness 
and declare the truth and the promises and the power of Almighty God. But the army of God is not only just going to be a king or a lion. The army of God is also going to function with the power of a servant. Serving with love. Serving needs. Serving the lost. Serving the hurting. Serving the sick. Serving the addicted. Serving the bound. Serving one another. The Bible says, how will the world come to know us by how you and I love one another? What is a proof of love from one another? It's how we serve one another. There has been a message preached that the church needs to separate itself from the world, and it has been preached, and it has been declared in a wrong context. Context, excuse me. It has been declared and taught like the church needs to be over here, and the world is over here. But was Jesus over here and the world over here? No, Jesus mingled in the world, not in his ways, not in his language, not in their ways, but he served the world with the authority and with the power of a king. If we're going to be an army of God in the last days, then we're going to have to let go of some pride, and we're going to have to take on the coat of humility, and we're going to have to be willing to get our hands dirty, and we're going to have to be willing to go and go, go into the highways and the byways and serve the world and serve the lost and serve the homeless and serve the needy and serve people with the power of a king. The church is also the Son of Man, human. The Bible teaches us that because Jesus was human, he went through the same temptations, the same struggles, the same levels of attack from the enemy that we go through. He related. He could empathize. He had compassion because as a human, he went through temptation, and as a human, he resisted temptation. And so there's three temptations. There's only three temptations that we get. You might be thinking, oh, you don't know me. I get like 10 temptations every single day. That's broken down into three. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Eve was tempted with those three. Jesus in the wilderness was tempted with those three. Study out any temptation in the Bible, and they will be categorized underneath those three. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Jesus was tempted with each of, the, each of those on a different basis. He was human. He was tempted like we are tempted. But, and he was also human in the fact that he resisted the devil. He didn't resist the devil as the 
son of God. He resisted the devil as the son of Joseph. He overcame Satan as the son of God, but he resisted Satan as the son of Joseph. That, that, that just went over some of you. Some think that he had some special power to say no to sin. That's why he was sinless. No. He had to overcome sin as God intended the first Adam to overcome sin. He did, was not given a special authority to overcome sin because he was fully human, the Bible teaches. He was the son of man. He was the son of Joseph. And the army of God that is rising up is not an army that's not tempted, but is an army that is able to resist the temptations of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I am tired of the gospel message that says you can sin. It's okay to sin. Everybody sins. We're all going to sin. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And the context of that verse is in the context of us not sinning. You don't have to. Son of God, he was an eagle. He had special contact, he had special intimacy with God. When, he, when his ministry was initiated, a voice from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He told his disciples, I, I don't do anything except for what I see and hear the Father say and do. The army of God today is not going to be people that, has a, that, that serves and follows God in a religious way, in a habitual way, in an every now and then way, in a when it feels good way, but in a way that is close, that is intimate, that has ears to hear even the most still, small voice. Some of us need God to speak through thunder. Some of us need God to speak through earthquakes. but the most powerful ones can hear God in a whisper. Do you know why? Because when you learn to hear God in a whisper, you come to learn the functions. You've come to learn the ways. You've come to learn the heart. You've come to learn the mind. You've come to learn the hand. You come to learn God. And you don't need the rattling of mountains. You don't need to be slain in the Holy Ghost. Even that can be kind of fun. 
you've never experienced that, you ought to experience it. That's pretty cool for God just to knock you on your butt. That's old school stuff. Slain in the Holy Ghost. You don't, you don't, you don't hear that, see that a lot anymore. The army of the last day church is not going to need a bunch of big hoopla. They're going to know God. They're going to be intimate with God. And they're going to be able to recognize the still small voice of God and continue on their way. See, there's a difference. I know the difference because of how many people I've dealt with. I dealt with people that needed God to scream at them. And then I've walked and talked with people that they understood the whisper of God because they understood God. The army of the last days is going to understand their commander, not just wait for their commander to yell at them. Do this! Are you recognizing and seeing the difference here? So this army is going to be servants, bold with authority, human in the carnal sense and able to overcome temptation, and children of God, close, intimate with their father. The army of God, the last day church, is not going to be about their church being cool. It's not going to be about their church being socially relevant. It's not going to be about their church being, ooh, that's a really good church. It's not going to be about the old style of church. It's not going to be about being a modern or progressive church. It's not going to be about a name. It's not going to be about a look. It's not going to be about a sound. It's not going to be about anything superficial. But it's going to be about the glory of God that manifests in that body of Christ because you have leaders and people that has made a choice to be in the army of God. Made a choice to exercise authority, made a choice to serve, made a choice to say no to sin, and made a choice to be intimate with God. Bring those four characteristics into a church. I don't care if you sing out of a red book or if you sing off a screen, the power of God will manifest. You bring those four components in a church, it don't matter if you sing a cappella or if you sing with an orchestra, God will manifest. Bring those four characteristics in a church. You can have an 18-year-old preacher, or you can have a seasoned 88-year-old preacher, and God will still manifest. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
Bring those four characteristics inside the church, and you will have church, and you experience God, and people will be healed, and people will be saved, and families will be, will be empowered, and lives will be changed, because it's that kind of church where God is invited, and God can function, can move, and as a leader, I'm going to lead us into that kind of church. We're going to operate, can move, and as a leader, I'm going to lead us into that kind of church. We're going to operate it with authority. We're going to serve. We're going to say no to sin, and we're going to get close and intimate and very personal with our Father God. And if you ain't in it, you can sit on the sideline or you go to another church that does everything else but that. Unless you're a good tithe payer, stick around and just watch and give us your tithe. We love you. We love you anyway. I roll out the freaking red carpet for you, baby, because we need money to operate around here. <laughs> Can I get an amen, council members? <laughs> so let me get to the second thing I needed to share. Stormy weather, 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 stormy weather. Out of a storm. But yet still, I'm speaking in the context of what I read, the verses. Out of a stormy wind came the four core creatures. Just read it to you again. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually. And it was in the midst of the fire as it were gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four creatures. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north. There is a close connection to storms and the glory of God in Scripture. But it can be easily, it can be easy to miss what God is doing in the storm because of our humanity or because of our instincts when storms occur. When a big storm comes, people usually hit the shelter. If a big tornado, because you don't have that in California. I remember we didn't have really tornadoes. There was an old saying that tornadoes wouldn't come between two rivers. And where I was raised in, in Mississippi, uh, basically the town was in between two rivers. And, and you know, honestly, not to say a, a to tornado don't ever hit because it, I think, so I'm 46 years old, and all of my 46 years, I, can, I only know of one tornado that has hit the area. But I do remember one time there was a flat, a fl flat line winds came. And it's not a tornado, it's just winds that come down, and it's just like a flat line. There's no twist, it's just whoosh. And I remember that there was like a distinct, like here it was. We were living next to my grandparents at that time, married with one child, Emerald. And I was, and I lived maybe, no, probably 50 yards from my grandparents. And I was standing outside my door, and my grandfather was in his backyard. His backyard is sur surrounded by 
you know, uh, are, has a perimeter of, of oak trees, you know, big oak, pine, so forth, and then garden and so forth. And I remember him standing in the middle of his yard and he was looking to the west. And I remember him saying, here it comes, here it comes. And he was in his early, mid-70s, and the best that he could, he went running inside of his house where he was shelter. I was on the outside. I went inside the house. I told Laron and Emerald, get inside the bathtub. Stupid me, I stood by the door and looked out the window. That's how I saw everything. <laughs> I think Gary was doing that uh, for a little episode of recent. Uh, anyway, so I, it was just a small window, you know, a door window. like. But my grandfather took shelter. We took shelter. And I remember seeing like telephone size, telephone pole size fence posts being just taken up, metal off of, off of roofs, just flying through the sky. My, my childhood home was about two, three hundred yards southwest of that. That was surrounded by old growth pine trees, hundred foot pine trees. And after it was all said and done, I remember going down there and it was as if the hand of God just came and just pushed them all, just pushed them over. It wasn't ripped up like a tornado. It was a flatline wind. It came and it just laid them down. And there was a few miracles that took place, uh, not, not to get into that. But everyone was taking shelter. I lived in the coastal bend area of Texas to where hurricanes would frequent, frequent the zone. And we had two or three days to prepare. Whenever we knew a storm was coming, we would, we would begin to prepare the church and prepare the building, prepare the house. We would board things up. We'd make sure there was things closed in so rain couldn't, couldn't get in. So our natural tendency when storms come is to begin to prepare, is to go into survivor mode, go into protection mode. And in a spiritual sense, and oftentimes our spirituality is a byproduct of our practicality, so practically when we prepare for storms, the natural outcome of that or the natural function of that lends itself into our spirit. So when we spiritually go through a storm, instead of us realizing the truth of what's happening, we begin to hunker down and we begin to go into protection mode. And that's why I say when there is a storm spiritually, oftentimes we can, we can miss it. We can miss what God is doing because of fear, because of doubt, missing God. And it, it could come just from our natural instincts. And we see this in Scripture. I know I've witnessed, I've experienced it in my own life. Instead of just doing, instead of just keeping the faith, instead of just standing strong, maybe I ran away from the storm or maybe I didn't exercise the faith I needed to exercise. A perfect example in Scripture is the disciples in the boat with Jesus. So the disciples was in a boat with Jesus. There was a raging storm at sea. Jesus was chilling out. He was, he was sleeping. Because Jesus knew what storms produced. 
But yet the disciples was freaking out. And it was very natural. It was very instinctual for them to freak out. They were men of the sea. They were fishermen. Not all of them was. The ones that was not fishermen was probably really freaking out. But even the fishermen, they were freaking out. Jesus, we're going to die. Jesus, we're going to die. And Jesus rose up and he exercised his authority as a king. He said, peace, be still. But then he didn't console and he didn't comfort his disciples. He said, oh, you of little faith. When you dive into the room of that verse, what you see is a missed opportunity. Some of us, that verse makes us feel, makes us feel good. Because we're like, well, even the disciples freaked out and Jesus took care of them. But there's some of us that just doesn't accept that truth, even though that is part of it. I am one of those some, because instead of me relating to their fear, I see how they missed an opportunity for the glory of God to manifest through their faith. And oftentimes, we miss out on the glory of God in our life Because we are fearing the storm instead of having the faith that allows the authority of God in us to change the storm. Another story about my granddad. I've told this before, but I'll say it again. Shorter. So I guess there is tornadoes that happen between Two rivers, because this is his story, before I was born, or tornado had set down, was coming toward his property and was about to destroy it. And he walked out to face it. And as it was coming his way, he told me, he said, I walked out to my field, and he said, I raised my hands, and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're not going to destroy my property And my grandfather said that tornado jumped his property and landed on the property behind the family's land. That's the kind of family I come from. That's why when I see this scripture, I do not relate to their fear. Because I have heard and I have seen Moment after moment, story after story of exercising faith with the authority of God and experiencing the glory of His power manifest. Let's jump to Peter walking on water. Peter, I like to think, Peter learned his lesson the first time around. It was a stormy night on the sea. The storm was raging. It was big waves. To the point, 
that it could have killed a man that was not in a boat. That's why when he walked on water and then he fell, he, he was fearful for his life because he was in a storm that could have killed him. But here he was, him and the disciples in the boat, and they saw Jesus walking on water, but they wasn't really for sure if it was Jesus. You remember what I said a few minutes ago, there's a difference in knowing the still small voice of Jesus and us needing the thundering sound of God's voice in our life. He didn't know if that was really Jesus or not. In the midst of the storm, he said, Jesus, if that is you, call me out. Jesus said, come. He knew the voice of God. And this is really key. We don't go exercising authority without the voice of God. This is where we get in trouble. We can't not, we cannot exercise stupid faith. Look at someone and say, don't have no stupid faith. That's another message of teaching altogether. Because even Jesus had the faith, but he would not jump off the cliff, right? Because why? God didn't tell him to jump off the cliff. Are you breathing this morning? I will never be guilty of telling people to go exercise stupid faith. But I will tell you with all my heart, if God says come, then baby, rock that faith and go walk on some water. Amen? Anyway, Amy, anyway, anyway, anyway. So Jesus said come. Peter recognized the still, small voice. Jesus didn't yell it. Jesus said it in the midst of a storm. Peter recognized it. And this is where I like to think Peter learned his lesson. Instead of staying in the boat, he defied fear. He became the first, and as far as we know, only man to walk on water. His faith in the voice of God allowed the glory of God to manifest. And we know what happened afterwards. I mean, a few moments into, this is possibly a talk for next week called Enduring Faith. Not even going to hit it. We know what happened afterwards, but we're sticking on what initially occurred. What initially occurred is he exercised faith in a storm based off the voice of Jesus and the glory of God manifested. Will you be so willing to hear the voice of God in your life according to how God speaks to you In whatever circumstance you're facing, we're facing a lot of circumstances right now. In whatever, first, whatever circumstance you're facing, be willing to hear the voice of God and be willing to just accept 
and to do whatever he says. And allow your outcome to be the manifestation of his glory in your life. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally and continues to encourage you throughout the day and the coming week. We'll see you next time.